the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Bayonet Point, WTBN, Pinellas Park. Portions of this hour have been pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. See, what Jesus said to the rich young ruler was technically correct. Technically, it was, it was correct. If he wanted to be saved, then the way to do this was to be perfectly abiding in all the commandments. Perfectly keep all the commandments from your youth up. See, if you obey the law of God perfectly, all of your life, thought, attitude, deed, in every respect, then you really wouldn't need a Savior from sin, would you? Because you wouldn't be guilty of breaking any of God's laws. We only need a Savior as our substitute, sin bearer. You wouldn't need a substitute sin bearer because you wouldn't have any sin if you didn't break the law. And therefore, no punishment would be required. But here's the catch. No one is able to keep all of God's commandments perfectly. No one. In fact, the Bible repeatedly points out that we cannot be saved by keeping God's laws. They are there to show us our need for a Savior. Isn't it wonderful that God has provided one for us? Hello and welcome to Verse by Verse with Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Today, Pastor Steve is wrapping up his first message in this series from the Gospel of Matthew about the love of money. When the rich young ruler who saw Jesus as just a teacher called Jesus good, Jesus pointed out that only God is good, which, when we think about it, was quite an understatement. Here's Pastor Steve to expand on that thought. One of the major obstacles to salvation in Christ is a deficient view of God's character, a view that fails to recognize that God is inwardly good and holy in the purest way. See, those who don't view God as perfectly pure and holy and righteous and good will never see their need for salvation, never, because it is only against the background of God's pure holiness that we can see our sin for what it really is, rebellion that is infinitely offensive to him who is infinitely holy. And it is in his infinite holiness, it is his infinite holiness that demands infinite justice for sinning against him. This is why the prophet Isaiah was appalled by his own sin. Let me read to you that famous passage of Scripture, Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah was struck down, pierced in his heart by his own sin after he saw the holiness of God. Isaiah 6, starting in verse 1. In the year of King Uzziah's death, Isaiah said, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, lofty and exalted, with the train of his robe filling the temple. So Isaiah was given a vision of the glory of God filling the temple. Seraphim, which is a category of angel, Angels stood above him, each having six wings. With two, he covered his face. With two, he covered his feet. With two, he flew. Even angels dared not look into the pure holiness of God. 
One called out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory and the foundations of the thresholds trembled at the voice of him who called out while the temple was filled with smoke. And what was Isaiah's response? He didn't say, I'm going to go to the good rabbi and ask him about this. He said, woe is me, for I'm ruined because I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Isaiah said, when I saw the Lord lifted up and I saw his holiness, I realized how despicable I spoke. I realized the sinfulness of my own tongue. The prophet Habakkuk spoke of God's holiness in a way that is reserved only for God. Habakkuk 1, 12 and 13 say this, Are you not from everlasting, O Lord, my God, my Holy One? Your eyes are too pure to approve evil, and you cannot look on wickedness with favor. In other words, he's saying God is so holy that he can never even look upon sin favorably, and he will never overlook a sin. Absolute purity of holiness. And Moses in Exodus 34, 7 wrote of God and his holiness. He said, he will by no means clear the guilty. What a statement. God's holiness will not allow him to dismiss sin without it being punished. Speaking of God's absolute holiness, Bible teacher Walter Chantry wrote in his book, Today's Gospel, Authentic or Synthetic, these words. He is so holy that if one ray of his glory were to meet your eye, you would be cast at his feet with a dreadful sense of uncleanness. But you know what? The rich young ruler didn't see God that way. That's the problem. Although heavily involved in his religion, it probably never crossed his mind that God was so perfectly holy and righteous and good that his sin was offensive to God and had to be punished. And you know what? There are many people today just like that. It never dawns on them. It's, they never consider that they have offended a holy God. They believe in God. They'll tell you they believe in God. They believe he exists. They may be very active in their church or in some religious organization, but it has never ever been considered by them that God's holiness and goodness compels him to punish their sins. They've never thought about that. Why? Because they have a defective view of God's character. They think that God is like us, so very human in character, but, you know, more supernatural. He can do things that we can't. But in terms of character, they see God the same way. They'll just overlook their sin. To err is is human. He'll just move on. He doesn't really care. Do whatever you want. But that's an absolutely deficient view of God, because he is not like us at all. He is untainted by our sin and absolutely pure in his holiness, absolutely pure in his goodness. And as Moses said, he will by no means clear the guilty. And those who fail to see God this way, as the rich young ruler did, will not be saved. You can't be saved. Because if you fail to see God as holy, you're going to fail to see yourself as a sinner who is in need of a savior, because you'll think that your sin has no eternal consequence. It just doesn't matter. We're all in the same boat. Big deal. But the Bible teaches that our sins are a big deal. And they do have eternal consequences. Why? Because God is holy. It is appointed unto man once to die, and after this, the judgment, the writer to the Hebrews said. 
It is a big deal. God's holiness demands justice. That justice will be meted out in him pouring out his wrath and judgment for all of eternity because he's infinite. And in addition to not seeing their need for Christ as their Savior, those who fail to see God as holy also see themselves as good, as self-righteous in their pride. They don't see themselves as wicked sinners. They see themselves as better than other people. They think of themselves as good and righteous. And they see no need to be saved by grace alone through faith. And that was obviously the attitude of this this rich young ruler, because after Jesus indicated that he had the wrong view, a deficient view of God, the Lord proceeded to point out another obstacle to this man's salvation. The first being a deficient, flawed view of God's character. The second obstacle being that he depended upon his good works for salvation. Notice verse, the rest of verse 17. Jesus said, but if you wish to enter into life, keep the commandments. After telling the rich young ruler that only God is good, Jesus now pointed the man to the law of God, specifically the Ten Commandments. And he did this for a reason. We'll see that in a moment. But he pointed him to the commandments. He told him that if he wanted to be saved, then he needed to keep the Ten Commandments. Now, I ask you again, why would Jesus say this? Why would he tell this man if he wanted to have eternal life, he needed to keep the commandments of God. This sounds very much like salvation by works, but it can't be because the entire Bible teaches that no one can be saved by keeping the righteous behavior spelled out in God's law. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, for by grace are you saved through what? Through faith and that it is not of yourself. It is not of good works lest anyone should boast. Most of us are familiar with that, but I would like you to see a verse you're probably not that familiar with, Galatians 2.16. Paul said in Galatians 2.16 to a church, probably a group of churches, who were very confused over this issue of, did they have to work for their salvation? Was it faith in Christ alone? Paul very clearly spelled it out. Galatians 2.16. Nevertheless, knowing that a man is not justified... That means to be in right standing with God. He is not justified by the works of the law, but through faith in Christ Jesus. Even we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. Since, notice this, by the works of the the law, no flesh will be justified. No flesh, Paul said, will be justified. So why then, if that's the case, did Jesus tell the rich young ruler to keep the Ten Commandments if he wished to enter life? If the keeping of the Ten Commandments could never save him. Listen closely. Because the Lord wanted this man to see for himself that he was a lawbreaker. Here's the law, you've broken it. See, what Jesus said to the rich young ruler was technically correct. Technically, it was, it was correct. If he wanted to be saved, then the way to do this was to be perfectly abiding in all the commandments, perfectly keep all the commandments from your youth up. See, if you obey the law of God perfectly, all of your life, thought, attitude, deed, in every respect, then you really wouldn't need a savior from sin, would you? Because you wouldn't be guilty of breaking any of God's laws. We only need a Savior as our substitute, sin bearer. 
You wouldn't need a substitute sin bearer because you wouldn't have any sin if you didn't break the law. And therefore, no punishment would be required. But here's the catch. No one is able to keep all of God's commandments perfectly. No one. And James said, if you break the law in one point, you've broken it all. It's not broken down into units in terms of God's thinking. It's all one unit. You broke one law, you broke it all. And all of us have sinned against God. And all of us continue to sin against God by breaking every one of the Ten Commandments, sometimes in outward actions, but more times than not, by our inward thoughts and desires. But God sees our hearts and counts those evils against us as criminal offenses, eternally criminal in their offense. But the rich young ruler didn't see any of this in his own life. He didn't realize this. And so after Jesus tells him to keep the commandments, the young man asks in verse 18, which ones? Now, he probably said this, I think, thinking that Jesus would tell him about some obscure commandment found in Scripture that he had overlooked, but if he now knew it, he would keep it and would be saved. And that's why he turned to Jesus as this noted rabbi. You're a great rabbi. You're a great teacher. Tell me something I don't know, something I've missed. But notice how Jesus responds to this young man. He doesn't give him some little-known, obscure, hard-to-find commandment hidden away somewhere in the Bible to observe. Instead, he mentioned something he was very familiar with. He mentions the Ten Commandments, specifically five of the Ten Commandments found in Exodus 20, and then he adds one found in Leviticus 19. And instead of these commandments being very complex and very difficult, each of these commands actually are, are very practical in nature, very easy to understand. Why? Because they focus on one thing, how to treat other people in a loving manner. Notice what Jesus said in verses 18 and 19. Then he said to him, which ones? Jesus said, you shall not commit murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now, unlike the first of the Ten Commandments, the first four of the Ten Commandments actually tell us about loving God. Each of these commandments mentioned by Jesus tell us about loving our fellow human beings. It's really very simple. This is not... This is not hard to understand. When we love someone, we don't murder them, right? When we love our neighbor, we don't sin against him or her by committing adultery with their spouse. When we love people, we don't steal from them. When we love an individual, we don't lie about them. And when we love our parents, we honor them. That's, that's the gist of this. Now, in giving him these specific commandments, the Lord was pointing out to the rich young ruler, that God expected him to love his fellow man. And based on his response, you know what? He thought that he did. Verse 20. The young man said to him, all these things I have kept. What am I still lacking? Just like the typical Jewish religious man of that day, this young man believed that he had kept all of God's laws. All the Pharisees would have said that. Although I don't know if this man specifically was a Pharisee, he certainly had that attitude of self-righteousness. All these things I have kept. Tell me something, Rabbi, I don't know. In fact, Mark 
records that the young man actually said, teacher, I have kept all these things from my youth up. So he didn't just say I kept all these things, but he said from my youth up, which probably means from the time I was bar mitzvahed when I was 13 and was considered a man, I've obeyed all of this. Rabbi, all these commandments I've kept since I was bar mitzvahed. Tell me something I don't know. Give me a commandment that I don't know. You are a learned rabbi. You tell me, teacher, teach me a commandment that I need to observe so I can obtain eternal life. Now let's stop here for a moment and consider why this young man actually felt that he had obeyed all these commandments. This is important because this is precisely what you'll hear from people today. I know I've told you in the past that um, I was talking to a, um, actually a young man about salvation and uh, we got into the Ten Commandments. He said, oh, I've obeyed all of them. And I said, well, tell me what they are. And he, he didn't know what they were, but of course he was sure he had obeyed them. But the attitude of many people who do know the commandments is this. I've kept the Ten Commandments because I haven't murdered anybody. I've been faithful to my marriage partner. I haven't stolen anything. I haven't stood up in a court of law and committed perjury. And I've been very good to my parents. But that, that attitude reveals a very superficial and flawed way of looking at obedience to God. It misses the whole point of the commandments of God. See, God intended for all of his commandments to be obeyed in our thought life as well as in our daily actions. That's why Jesus pointed out in the Sermon on the Mount to the religious Pharisees who thought they obeyed God by externally doing what the commands said. Jesus, who gave the Ten Commandments, explained the real intent of them. And so he said, if you hate someone in your heart, you're guilty of murder. And which one of us has never hated anyone in our hearts? There may be hatred in your heart right now, malice towards someone you've murdered. And if you have looked upon a woman with lust, he said, in your heart, then you're guilty of adultery. Now, other people may not see the anger and the hatred in your heart because you can be a good actor, but God sees it. Others may not see the lust in your mind, but God does. And which one of us can honestly say that we've never lied before or that we've never desired to take something that didn't belong to us or that we haven't taken something that didn't belong to us? Listen, if you broke a copyright law, you've stolen And who among us hasn't dishonored his parents by disobeying them, by not showing them perfect respect? But this young man missed the whole point that Jesus was making in telling him to keep the commandments. See, the reason Jesus told him to keep the commandments was because he hadn't kept the commandments. That's the point. Son, keep the commandments. He should have looked at those commandments and said, I have failed miserably in every one of them. But he didn't say that. He said, I've kept them because he was a self-righteous man. That's his problem. Folks, this is how you evangelize. Jesus is actually doing the greatest job in witnessing to to this man. He is pointing out to him his sin by putting the mirror of the word up and saying, look at the mirror and you'll see how dirty your face is. Look at the law of God and you'll see how filthy you are before God. That's exactly how to use the law. Romans 3.20 says, because by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight, for through the law comes the knowledge of sin. How are people to know that they're sinners? By the law. Proclaim the law of God to them, not as a way to be saved, and that's not what Jesus is saying here, but as a way to reveal their sin. Paul said in Romans 7.7, I would not have come to know sin except through the law. 
He also wrote in Galatians 3.24 that the law was our tutor to lead us to Christ. In ancient times, a tutor would actually escort a child to school. Paul is saying you've been escorted by the, the law. The law leads us to Christ. It escorts us to Christ. How? By showing us first that we're, that we're sinners and we need a Savior and that Jesus is the only Savior. You see, folks, the problem with the rich young ruler and a major obstacle to his salvation was that he didn't see himself as sinful. Like so many people who live outwardly moral lives, religious people, this man thought that he had obeyed God and that his virtuous behavior was sufficient almost to get him into heaven. He just thought he was lacking one more good deed. But he was depending on his own self-righteous deeds to gain access to a right relationship with God. He thought that he had done everything he knew to do. If only the rabbi will tell him what one commandment he's missed, he'll do it and he'll obtain eternal life. But instead of of telling him about one obscure commandment that he might have overlooked in the Bible, Jesus tells him about a commandment that he was very, very familiar with, and it's the key if he's to be saved. And next week, we'll discover what that commandment and key is. But you have learned enough today to understand that you cannot get to heaven by keeping the law of God. Never, ever. The law was given to show us our sin, not to get us to heaven. Like all of us, you've broken every one of God's Ten Commandments many times over. And God's holiness and justice demands payment. Otherwise, he is not God. This is why Christ came into the world. And as I said before, the world may move on. Society may move on may put the Christmas tree away and the decorations, but we have to remember Christ came into this world to make payment on the cross for sinners like us. He died in the place of condemned sinners. God, who must pour out his judgment on sin, poured out his wrath on his own son. And his son calls us to come to him to be saved. He's the only way you can be saved, the only one who can save you. And how is that? By repentance and faith, two sides of the same coin, turn from your sin, turn to Christ to save you by grace alone, through faith alone in him. I hope you'll come. Let's pray. Father, thank you for caring enough about us to record in scripture about this rich young ruler because there are still many rich young rulers just like him who think that they are so upright, good citizens, never harming other people, religious, staying away from trouble, and yet they're so wicked in their hearts, and they've never come to grips with that. They've never seen that. They're self-righteous. Their self-righteousness drips, Lord. It oozes out of them a smugness because they've never seen your holiness. I pray today for those who may be like the rich young ruler, listening to this sermon, I pray that you will pierce their hearts with the truth of your holiness and the truth of their sinfulness and that they will come running to Jesus, but when they leave, they'll leave saved. Not like this rich young ruler who left saddened. I pray that they'll come in genuine repentance, in genuine faith, in genuine commitment to Christ. 
I pray you'll open their hearts. And for those of us, Lord, who already know you, may we take heart and be encouraged by the way, Lord, you evangelized. You knew exactly what you were doing. And I pray that you would help us to use more the Old Testament law. Many of us don't know how to tell people we're, that they're sinners, and so we stumble around, but there's no better way to do it than by t- taking them to the law, showing them that they've disobeyed it. I pray that you will help us to take these things to heart, to apply them in our lives. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm glad you could join us today for Verse by Verse. Pastor Steve Kreloff is our teacher. He's the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Call the office if you'd like to know more about Lakeside or if you still have questions about how to obtain eternal life. The number is 727-441-1714. There's also a wealth of information at Lakeside's website, lakesidechapel.com. To help support Verse by Verse Ministries, you can give over the phone by calling that same number. We thank you for your prayerful and generous gifts. And that's also the number to call if you'd like to have a free audio CD with the entire sermon Pastor Steve just finished. Call 727-441-1714 and ask for message 4249, The Rich Young Ruler, Part 1. Another listening option is the message archive page at versebyverseradio.org where you'll find all of our previous broadcasts available for free streaming or downloading. And there's also a giving page on the website if you'd like to give that way. That's at versebyverseradio.org. I'm Jerry Peterson. The so-called rich young ruler had three things going against him spiritually. He thought too little of God, too much of himself, and he had an idol. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.